better than you, apparently. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel, I feel like I might pass out, but it's fine. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll continue. Please, Louise. You have a good Christmas, at least? Until now, yeah. Uh, pretty pretty relaxing to be honest which was uh is rare to say about christmas so that was that was decent yeah what about you guys yeah good yeah pretty pretty chill it was uh i I sent to josh i was in california for it it was very very strange for it to be like 20 odd degrees on christmas day it's the peep Uh, show uh that that is that wasn't very christmassy yeah yeah it feels like that in in a nutshell yeah 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 it was good though What's good? <clears throat> Not that. Um, we've got a fair bit to cover, to be fair, haven't we? Uh, two games, uh, Palace and Spurs. Um, four points from the pair of them, uh, which is not so bad at all, given the current state of our hospitalised squad. Uh, <laughs> let's start with with Palace, obviously, uh, who are currently languishing uh, 15th in the table after a pretty poor Christmas for them. 13th um, now, I think, right? And this, oh, well, this one just finished. Yeah, well, that's that. Uh, not doing great, though. Um, and lining up against them, uh, what, t- t- Thursday, I think it was, before Christmas? Um, Classical Gross back in at the number 10. Uh, Belabor and Gilmore in your midfield. Uh, Igor and Hinshelwood as your fullbacks. Uh, and... Adingra and Mitoma, who are now both on the hospital list, uh, started that game. Um, we just can't ever seem to get anything other than a 1-1 draw against Palace, can we? Like, it's just ridiculous how often this is happening now. It's obligatory, isn't it? It's sort of, you know, I'd be more surprised if it wasn't 1-1. So it, it, was, it was just one of those, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, just constant um, stalemate after stalemate. It's, it was a weird game as well. Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel like a, a comfortable Brighton game in any capacity. Although to be honest, I don't know if any of them feel like that anymore. Um, but it was a weird one, and uh, you know the Spurs one obviously is a very different kettle of fish. So it's uh, th- with all the injuries we've got, we just not got no consistencies in performances at the moment. It's just it's just whatever happens on the day, whatever vibes are in the team on that particular day, it seems to what seems to be what happens. Um, it's a weird one with the squad at the moment. We also have a knack of conceding against absolutely shit players, don't we, for Palace? Like, Ayu scored this this time. Benteke scored in the last minute the, a couple of years ago. Like, we have a knack of conceding against absolutely crap players as well. Uh, it's absolutely incredible that we seem to keep doing this. Like, I just... It's wild. Um, and then we also enjoy late goals, don't we? Um, because we've packed again in the 82nd, 83rd minute... Um, the returning Mr. Welbeck uh, as well, being pivotally involved there uh, with the goal. And Pascal Gross, the man we talked about a fair few times about just stepping up when you need him. Um, what what did you make of the, the Palace team in general, the game? What were your thoughts? Robin, welcome to the show. Hope you're feeling well enough to talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah there's gonna, I don't know what the ratio between coughing and talking is going to be, but we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. Uh, I, I do want to add one quick, a couple of quick things about this Palace game as well, because I'm, I'm trying to think back to some of the specifics on it. But the first half was very different from the second, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm looking at some of the, the stats while I'm talking here as well. We ended up 
classic in the sense that we had what 62% possession in the first half. Um, but nothing to show for it. It was 0.18 XG, uh, barely any shots. We didn't do much with the ball. And you come out second half completely flipped on its head in that we had 1.01 XG, but 14 shots uh, and 71% possession. So uh, we seem to be getting to this situation. I feel like whatever De Zerbi ends up doing at half time, whether it's motivational or whether it's tactical and probably a little bit of combination of both, depending on how it nets out, we end up sometimes looking completely different in the second half. And here we we absolutely did. But that, I guess we're going to have to have a bit of a keeper conversation classic uh, with the with that IU goal at the end of the first half, right? Because it was pretty farcical. Especially when we're inevitably probably about to talk about some of the incredible distribution that Jason Steele threw out there in the Spurs game as well. Um, given that we've talked about picking one and sticking with them, uh, there was some incredibly good long passes that still whipped out there in the Spurs game that probably need to be paired up into the same conversation, really, because he was also quite poor for the goals that were conceded late on as well. So it's, yeah, it's a rough one. Yeah, but he's made some very big hair improvements because we've mocked his hair (laughs) for quite a while and he's gone away from that medieval cut uh, and he now looks like just a regular human being in the year 2023. So there is that. So you've got to give him some credit. Maybe, maybe um, that's the difference, yeah. Yeah, it could be. He it. does look, he looks ginger now as well. Like, it's, it's, a, Ma- weird, it's a weird Ma- transformation. Maybe it's a new thing for 2024 for him. But uh, you did, uh, no one actually answered your question, Josh, about lineups and things like that. I think at, at the actual time, like, it was, a, it was a decent lineup. I think this was, was this one of the first times we saw Igor actually play at left back? Um, and officially, yeah. Right. I think uh, he started in the Marseille game at left back, didn't he? Marseille home game, he was left. Was he sort of left? Yeah. It was, it, didn't we switch as well? I think it was because we had part planned that three back and then switch. But yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was the Belaba Libero stuff, wasn't it? That was. Yeah. So, yeah. But then we saw that um, for the Spurs game, and I know we're, we're intertwining the games here a little bit, but. Uh, Inevitable. Classic, yeah. But <laughs> he. I don't know where this hesitancy came from because I th- I thought he looked very very comfortable playing at left back, especially against um, you know some of the pace merchants and uh, and some of the Spurs players as well. It didn't look like he ever really got caught for pace. He looked fairly comfortable playing out. And the other massive thing that we got out of that was we didn't have James Milner have to play at left back, which turns out um, was fairly good because James Milner played his best possible game at Spurs. But of course, you know the actual. The actual players that were involved in the Palace game, that was pretty much our strongest team, really, wasn't it? Um, that we had available. And of course, Matoma left on crutches. So we can't play that lineup again for a while. Well, I mean, additionally, I, I agree with you. I think Igor played really well left back for two games. I, th- I think he was really good. So inevitably, he's now out for six plus weeks with inflamed yeah. Achilles. Um, that's so good. that's yeah. the end of him. So Milner back in at left back. Adam. How you feeling about that? <laughs> well, look, I, I'm not... Uh, the, the, the Milner that we saw against Spurs was the Milner that I got was excited about us signing at the start of the season where I foolishly thought he was going to be that player. It turns out he still has it. Like, he was everywhere on the pitch against Spurs, everywhere in that first half. And he was... He had the ball so much and ran up so far that you could see at the end of the first half, he was, like, absolutely exhausted and was just trying to sort of stand around for the last couple of minutes. But he was absolutely fantastic. He's wasted left back. And it's such a shame that we're going to probably have to play him there again, because at this point, 
I don't even know what bodies you have left to play there. Uh, I just I just don't. Jakob Moda played left wing at the end of the Spurs game as well. Maybe maybe he'll lob him back there as well. Yeah, and he's obviously not. I know a lot of people uh, on Twitter and social media in general seem to consider Pascal Gross as one of the one of the list of left backs we have. And I think that Deserbi has made it pretty clear over the last couple of weeks that months even as we've lost fullback after fullback, that Pascal Gross is not going to be playing left back anytime soon. Uh, he, he might be he might be playing centre back on Tuesday night. Might, this, right? but, that is also true. <laughs> and yeah, Dunk got his stupid yellow card, didn't he? So we literally have one centre back fit. Let's talk about that yellow card. Um, again, this is inevitable, right? We're going all around the, the houses here. But one, it's Christmas. Uh, so half our people, half our listeners probably won't even listen to this because they're too hungover in between now and New Year. And that's the end of that. So, And the ones that do, it's probably all blurred into one for them anyway. So the the weirdest thing, I don't even know what I was saying. What was I saying? Someone bring it back on track. The yellow card. That's the yellow card. The weirdest thing to me is I didn't even think it was a foul. He had a, he had possession of the ball. He took a touch, and Kulusevski pressed him hard because it was a little bit of like a looser touch. So Dunk saw him coming and just hoofed the shit out of it to get it gone because he realised that he gave him a little bit too much of an eye on it. Uh, Kulusevski throws himself in front of the ball to block it. Doesn't get there in time. Happens all the time. Dunk follows through. Where else is he supposed to go when clearing that ball? I'm not sure. Connects with Kulusevski. I bet it really hurt, but I don't. I don't understand how it's a foul in the first place. He's got. I've seen people compare it to Bissouma's, to Romero's, to others, and the key for me is that none of them had possession of the ball. Was it similar? The only clearly does. Was, McAllis- was it that McAllister one then got overturned? Was quite similar, wasn't it? Can't remember that one. But that one was from a right. couple of months ago. Where similar, like it was almost like what? It's not malicious. It was almost like he was sent off because of the follow-through, but in the same way, couldn't do anything else. It's just unfortunate. It's one of those, as soon as the studs come up and you watch the replay, it looks bad and probably the it looks bad to the ref. But yeah, if it was a red card, we'd be, it'd be more in-depth conversation about how it should be overturned. I think, no, it's a yellow. Everyone's just like, whatever, let's just move on. It's, it's one of those ones. The yellow that's absolutely mucked us over, hasn't it? Because we've got we've got Van Hecker playing at centre-back and that's it. So, um, uh, yeah. The Labour's going to gonna do it again isn't he roll back the yeah roll back the years roll back what three games when he did it last time that's one of the the things that gets me about like twitter and everything like that just like the still picture of like dunk following through even though he's played the ball and it's like two seconds after the ball's gone right like those still photos of (laughs) every challenge just really annoy me but it's like a, a pet peeve that i'm going way off on tangent but you saw that being shared around left, right, and rhubarb, right? Just like, oh, look how bad this challenge was. And it, it wasn't. I think J- Josh said, like, he, he played the ball and Kulisefti was in the way of his follow-through of hitting the ball. Like, it's annoying that it's a yellow card, for sure. I thought it was an orange card. <laughs> One of those ones where it was... I think it's... Like, I think everyone agreed there's no intent there to do anything. It, it comes down to that classic, is it reckless or not? Could he have done anything different? Could he have actually not had... Because it's quite a high foot. There's an orange between yellow and red. Are you saying it's worse yeah. than the yellow then? I'm saying that it's one of those ones that could... I've, I wouldn't have been hugely surprised if it was a red. 
and yeah. that's not that's more based on the stand that's more just based on circumstance of what referees tend to do i mean it, it's that classic dale stevens wasn't it isn't it where it's almost it's being refereed based on the outcome of the tackle rather than the tackle itself so i wouldn't have been hugely surprised if it was a red um i don't think you can have any arguments that it was a yellow um but yeah i say i wouldn't have been hugely surprised to see it as this, a w- this wouldn't be a conversation if dunk wasn't banned no no exactly yeah, true it wouldn't. true like, I'm just struggling to understand what he was supposed to do, though. So, like, he's got possession of the ball. He takes a bit of a loose touch. Kulusevsky thinks he's going to have a bit of that. So, as soon as Kulusevsky sees that and starts pressing, obviously, Dunk committed the foul by clearing the ball. So, is the answer that Dunk should have took a step back, allowed Kulusevsky to gain possession, and then try and make a tackle? Because the, the that's the only option, really, to a... There's no other option. So, what... What was it that Dunk was supposed to have done? He either gets rid of the ball that he's in possession of, or he backs off the ball and allows Kudoseski to take possession because he doesn't think he can clear it without possibly making contact with a player after the fact. The ref just wanted the Spurs comeback to happen. He just wanted he wanted <laughs> it to bring down to the wire to get the get the viewing statistics right up there because. That, that was and he knew, Brian, he knew Brighton's defending would help him along as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, 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 I read. joked in our WhatsApp chat, right, where, and I know you guys, for people listening, I was like, well, we were, what were we, 2-0, 3-0 up at this point. I was like, I wonder when we'll concede the goal. Is it going to be the 80th or the 90th minute? And then as soon as 80 minutes start to tick over, bam. Uh, it was inevitable. Like, we are now on this like, unbelievable ridiculous run of these these conceded goals aren't we where it just doesn't feel like it's ever going to end especially now that we don't actually have anyone to play in defense uh uh it's just it's just remarkable i mean this is what we were promised wasn't it under deserby they were like you'll basically you will either win or lose every game four three yeah what we were told um by the way Incredible outcome. This ge- this game was amazing, but it just felt yeah. that that last fifteen minutes after like Jean Pedro put the penalty in, oh. five four. Like they could have legitimately scored five times in the last well ten minutes of normal play plus nine of stoppage time. And Richardson had what fifteen goals disallowed for offside. Basically, missed uh, a couple <laughs> of other ones. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's bonkers. It is bonkers. Talking about. The defensive frailties. I upset a lot of people on Twitter the other day, which seems to be just another. This is your theme at the moment, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just talked about the fact that Deserby is in the process of signing a new deal, which we're all very happy about, I'm sure, and it probably will be sealed at the end of the transfer window, or at least once he knows what we're actually going to provide during the window, Um, and if we choose to do nothing, which is what. Bloom typically likes to do. Not that I think he will do it for anyone comes after me. I think we will make sign-ins in January because I think we just simply have to. If he choose it, if they decide to go, no, we're going to weather the storm. We're not going to go down. We're in Europe. Let's just weather it. Bring people back. We'll be fine. I think it's entirely fair at that point for Deserby if he gets a phone call from someone else bigger to listen to that phone call and leave in the summer if he wants to. I think it's entirely fair of him to do that if he doesn't feel supported. Now, that upset a lot of people. 
And I think we need to undergo a name change from Together BHA because whenever we say anything that anyone doesn't like, the immediate response is so much for Together. Well, like that's not what I'm saying, but it's that's fine. Like we may have to undergo a name change to calm people down. But the idea is that we got a lot of comments saying that we, I said we started the season with three fullbacks, Veltman, Lamptey, and Estepinion. That was generally the agreement for most of us. The blowback I got was he actually started the season with seven to eight fullbacks with Igor, Gross, uh, March, um, and there was another one on there that was listed. Lamptey, March, Igor, Gross. Uh, there was a couple of Moda when he came back. And it's just, it's just nonsense. Um, this is, these is, are just players. These are just names of yeah, players. Yeah, so, the difference between fullbacks and people that could do a job at fullback. Like, it's, so that was that was going to be my question. Really, is just for you in your head on your day to day. When I when I look at the squad in any squad, do you consider utility players as a player in that position for depth, no. or do you? not really include that. So Pascal Gross is the best example, right? Because he plays absolutely pissing everywhere. So when you talk about Pascal Gross as a member of the squad, we consider him a midfielder first and foremost. Do you ever think about we're a bit shallower left back with Estepinion alone? Do you think, do you ever consider Gross as a left back or a right back? No. Or do you consider him as his first overall position? I'm and I'm just, I'm just curious because there was a lot of blowback on that insisting we had like seven fullbacks at the start of this. No, season. It's, it's bollocks. Um, because <laughs> well, they can come after um, you now. I'm going to p- post your out everywhere. Just do it because <laughs> those same people, I guarantee that most of those same people will have got to the end of the transfer window and gone, why on earth didn't we sign a fullback? Because virtually ev- that social media was awash with that. Right when we were sitting at the end, towards the end of the window, it was it was obvious that if we needed one more signing, it was a fullback. Right? It's not a hot take. It's a pretty obvious take. That like is, I'm just not like anyone who's sitting there going, "It's all right, we don't need a genuine left back because we've got Pascal Gross." It's like I can't get my head around that being. Yes, he could fill in there, but at, at what cost to him playing somewhere else? And it's more a reflection of a failure of transfer policy that he would have to fill in there. It's not something you'd want him to be doing. It's like the one time where uh, Carl Walker had to go and goal for Man City and then them saying, well, we don't need a sub-keeper because we've got Carl Walker if needs to be. Like, it's, it's, fast, it's just, they're just, they're professional football players at the highest level. So hypothetically... Every outfield player can roughly play in almost every other outfield position, um, with the exception of like lobbing Lewis Dunk up front or something like that. But Pascal Gross before Brighton never never played left back or right back. This was just he's just a skillful football player that has awareness of positioning. Uh, it's this, James Milner can play in all these positions because he has that level of intelligence. It doesn't make them actual players in that specific position from a depth chart perspective we only ever had one or two left backs before before this season began or one it's a yeah it's a difference between deputization and 
competency, right? Like, and and yeah. if you want to, if you actively choose Pascal Gross to be your left or your right back, I think you're doing something wrong um, because that's not where you want to play him. So I think that's the, the difference for me is where would you want these players to play? And your answer is not going to be left or right back and you're left with one or two players. Um, and we we had a, an injury-prone Lamptey. We've got Veltman, um, Esther Pinyan, who's had a couple of injuries already. Um, yeah, I'm not willing to accept that <laughs> the failure to get a left or a right back in and a fullback has, has hindered us pr- uh, quite a lot. Um, and it should be a priority for this window. Can we just talk about... I mean, you mentioned Esther Pinyan quickly, uh, and that that is... Um... It made me laugh thinking back to the Spurs game because he came on and it looked like he'd forgotten how to play football because uh, he looked so rusty. We talked about this, like that he nearly gave him a goal at one point because he did some weird thing where he just sort of forgot how the ball hits your foot. And then he has the audacity to just absolutely clunk in that goal of the season contender about 10 minutes later. Like, what the hell is that? Uh, just ridiculous. I'm so glad he's back. The you know, final point I'd make on it is for anything like this, there's this kind of undercurrent you get on social media at the moment, which is because generally we're doing well and we've kind of punched above our weight for the last couple of years, that there's an implication that because of all of that, it's not fair game to make any sort of constructive criticism about any aspect of the club. That's what no, I'm rubbing. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the ride. You have to yeah, enjoy like, it. Never say anything. It's, it's like a cult Josh, at this like, point. Josh and I have talked about this, not even just from a football perspective, but social media kills the idea of nuance, right? You know, like you have to be one side. Everything has to be brilliant or it has to be dreadful. There's no room for, okay, we're largely brilliant in pretty much every aspect, but it's all right if we're not doing so well. You know, it's all right if we made a little bit of a mistake going, no, we're not going to have that many injuries. We'll be fine with three fullbacks. Like, it's fine to say, actually, not even with hindsight, it's fine to say that, oh, actually, that was a mistake. Like, yeah, okay, but I agree with you because think about it. If you sat down, I'm, I'll remove Tony Bloom, right? Because it's, it's Paul Barber, David Weir and, 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 and Sam Jewell, right? They're responsible for the transfers. Tony Bloom just kind of, kind of goes, yeah, sure, whatever. Here, here's the money. Um, if you ask them right now, did you did you do the best possible thing when it came when it came to squad depth and wing backs during the summer? I don't think even they would be like, you know what? Yeah, it was a masterclass. It was the best transfer window we've ever done, and we wouldn't change a damn thing. They wouldn't say that because they're not stupid. Of course, I know with hindsight you, you can say that this was short sighted and this was maybe a bad move, but we all said it at the time as well. Uh, but again, as you said, this is one small blemish on what is otherwise a thoroughly remarkable season so far. Well, you talk about nuance. Two of the comments was uh, you'd you'd like to see us bankrupt the club, would you? And I mean, there I you go. and you're right. I can't believe we didn't yes. sign Mbappe and Bellingham. One, me too. I wish we'd signed Mbappe and Bellingham personally, but can't always get what we want. There you go. That, I mean, that's the that sums it up, doesn't it? Like the lack of being able to have an adult debate about something and being able to see the 90%, 99% of things that are going really well. And actually what their point is they're missing is that if you fix that 1% that isn't going very well, then actually the potential Gus Poyet glass ceiling 
rises even higher if you fix that one thing. Well, we yeah. were definitely in for a fullback, right? Because it was about three different right backs that we were rumoured with, with Naylor rumouring them. And Barco, of course, who is coming, currently coming back up in the conversation around Argentina with Boca Juniors and us and Man City and other teams all uh, all over Europe, basically, at this point. Um, so, like, we're obviously in for fullbacks. Like, it isn't a secret. Like, Sasha Bowie, I think it was, at Galatasaray, was a big name for a long time for a lot of teams. Destiny, Destiny Udogi at uh, Spurs. We were very much in for him at one point. Uh, we've got a, a, like Valentin Barco, who's probably going to be joining us or someone else in Europe this this January. So yeah, I mean, Adam, I think you're right, right? Like everybody in the organization can see it because they're actively trying to fill it. So I imagine, and that's why I don't think that we will just not do anything this January. I think that's insane. Um, but God forbid, again, like you said, Robin, any kind of nuance. Um, it's I, mad. I mean, because the other bit you get is like, is that people take it as a slight against Deserby. If you go, if you, if you, if you dare to go, well, actually, we need some, we, we need a few other options. What people will go is, oh, no, but he'll, he'll have an answer to it. Yeah, but if you ask Deserby it, said worse about yeah, the class. He, he said, literally said worse himself. Yeah. But if you, if you offered him, if you were like, right, Roberto, you've got two options. One, we will buy you a natural Premier League quality left back. That's option one. Option two is that you can find a six-year-old in the academy and play him there instead. Like, they're two different. They're like, it's the same thing. Like, why, it's not a criticism of him to say, actually, we need, we need other players. It's not to say he cannot find the answer because if you look in the Spurs game, he basically, we, you know, at various points, we were like, he came up with this bizarre sort of three-one-six formation, you know, at various points in it. Like, it's not to suggest that he doesn't have the tactical flexibility to do it. But again, if you said to him, you know, Robert, would you like a couple of extra players? Yes. Like, it's. Am I the only one really scared about having to watch Best Opinion play almost ninety minutes on Tuesday, given that he's just coming back and now we've lost every other left back? I assume he's probably going to start. Am I the only one worried about that? because that feels like an accident waiting to happen. I don't think he's going to even be... I would be surprised if he's even in the squad for Stoke. Uh, I'd be surprised. three weeks, but... If I'm Deserby, I'm almost... I'm just writing Tuesday off. Like, I'm tempted. Don't say that. It's my birthday. Don't say that. That's sacrilege. Because we'll <laughs> take that and then Stoke. And what, they've got two weeks? Nearly a two-week gap after that? Yeah, four, two day. weeks, yeah. So then you're basically going, they've got three. Like, I'd be just, yeah. West Ham are in great form. I know that we have traditionally had a good record there. Um, but, you know, with the options available, it's not worth, it's not worth basically doing what you'd have to do in Amsterdam, which is force Estepinian to come on again and just, you know, fall to bits again. We always do well at the London Stadium because it's, um, it feels like we're playing at home because there's no atmosphere there. Um, <laughs> I was trying to buy, I was trying to jump onto us getting hatred. That that should work. Um, but the good news is, right, we've got two days until there's the January transfer windows open. So the idea being is that, like, if we are in the shit, which we are, uh, we are going to be able to make a difference here. And you would hope then that we bring people in that could actually make a fair amount of difference. Um, I, we talked about this before, right? 
I love the idea of us signing the next big gem that we can have at the club and, and sell them on in the future for a, a gazillion pounds. But I don't think that's what we need right now. We really want to solidify a... I don't know at this point right, whether your expectations change about the season. What do you want? Top 10, top eight? I think top six seems absolutely unreasonable at this point. Do you want to go deeper into Europe? That's going to dictate how January plays out, right? Whether you're going to sign Valentin Parco or whatever it is and just say, all right, we're done. That's the season. In which, in which point, you know, clearly they are not talking about making a massive push on either, either side. Or you sign someone a bit more established with a little bit more seniority. Maybe they played in the Premier League for a little bit longer and you see what you can do with the squad and hope your players come back a little bit sooner than expected. Calvin Phillips, anyone? Uh, he's was, off to uh, Italy, isn't he? Go on, Craig. No, I was just I was thinking uh, for a fullback, I, I think we can come on to Calvin Phillips. I think it would be remarkable. But I think from a fullback perspective, you're not going to get another Purvis in, right? You're not going to get a established European left back in at a cut price. Um, it's going to be Barco or in that similar mould. You're going to talk about an 18, 19-year-old that's probably half ready to, to join immediately and make a difference and, and be a body as opposed to being the Estepinian level of the, of the team. Wasn't there a guy from Derby we kept being linked with? Is he, was he a centre-back? Uh, I think he's also a full-back. I can't remember his name. For someone, or, someone will know. Um, but, yeah, also young, 18, 19 you know, sort of chop, chopping his uh, time in, is it League One, Darby are in? Um, so, again, someone that isn't going to come in and make an immediate difference, but is going to be able to put a shift in and maybe learn on the job, as we say, like rather than, you know, that sort of loan system that we're so used to. The injuries sort of persist now where it's like, okay, we need someone that's half ready, right? We need a Barco, we need the guy from Derby, again, forgive me, but you need someone that is playing regular football now, and is able to make that step up fairly quickly. Um, it's not going to be someone established, but it's not going to be someone completely raw. Um, speaking of which, Calvin Phillips is someone that is established, right? Regardless of what you think of him and regardless of how many times he sits on the bench for City, um, that's someone that comes in and makes an immediate difference in the middle. Um, is it something that we're actively looking at? It sounds like it, but I, I really wouldn't be against him coming in because I think, again, that's another established person in the centre that allows Gross to play where he needs to. Is this a thing or is Josh trying to, are you trying to... Are no, you no, it, it is apparently a, thing. a couple of different sources are throwing it out there that we've asked simply to be kept aware of his loan status because they're looking at loaning him out for the rest of the season. Um, Doesn't he earn more wages than like our entire first yeah, team? Yeah, I reckon he'll end up at Newcastle. Well, it looks like Dortmund, Juventus, a couple of big teams are looking at him. But if he wants to stay in England and doesn't want to move, like there are going to be a group of those players there and if Neves ends up inevitably coming to Newcastle instead, then you would think that Phillips isn't going to be going anywhere. Um, I think you've got a really interesting point there, though, Craig, and it leads me on to my next one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Jack Inchelwood. Um, Very much been learning on the job uh, and broke the deadlock very early on against Spurs with essentially what was just an absolute thunder bastard without any thought behind it. Um, and he was a very happy boy, obviously. Uh just like what a great impact he's had. You know, Deserby loves him, talks about him all the time, how old he is in his brain sort of thing. He talks about him like he's a 30-year-old and like a teenager's body. But he is still only like, what, 18, 19? Um, and he's been excellent, hasn't he, really? Like wherever he's been asked to play, he's been at worst 
decent and at best yeah. winning us games like outright with that header uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like it's absolutely wild, isn't it? The impact he's it made. Is. I think he was, he obviously had a bit of a baptism where he was thrown in in that Villa game to basically start in a midfield two against their very, very high quality midfield three, um, which was only ever really going to end in one outcome. But he has been brilliant. He has. I mean, he, he was great in Athens. You say he scored the winner against, what was it, Bomb? Who did he score the winner against? Brent, Brentford. Uh, Brentford he scored the winner against, didn't he? I think it was um, Obviously a great, and he's just popping up everywhere. I mean, he's one of those players where you don't actually, I mean, I know he is, it's difficult where you go, do you take someone's natural position at, you know, under 18, under 23 level and immediately say that's where they're going to play in the senior team? Because we're not really seeing, we've seen him play as a fullback slash a winger really and seeing that much in the middle um so is he going to be one of those players that at some point he will drift back to being a central midfielder or is he gonna you know morph into a genuine wide option because at the moment he's you know he can do that job but he can also finish like an attacking player despite well, I, do, I disagree with the finishing part i i He's, he's awful, his finishing. I think he's been fantastic, but he's. I know I'm saying this after he's just blasted the goal in, but he hit it directly at the keeper and it it looked like it was going over, didn't it? It just it, it was so fast that it just went through the guy's hands. He couldn't even get his hands up, right? But like, you, you want him to slot it either side there. And I, I, I cast your mind way back to the, the Palace game, right? I, I think he had two very good chances in the box. I think one, he just like kicked the ground. Um, and the other one he just shanked. Um, but that's beside the point, though, because like, how old is he? As you say, he's like five years old. But he's his. I think the reason why Deserby loves him is the combination of his motor, where he can get up and down very, very quickly, which is important in, in this sort of transitional uh, attack and defence that Deserby has. But the other part is he he plays that overlap um, man on the right side very, very, very well. And if you if you kind of go back and watch the goal he scores against Spurs. Um, they did a good job covering this in that I think it was Pascal Gross or someone else in the box ahead of him. And it's almost like the Spurs team did not expect to have Hinshelwood in the box at that particular moment. And that just creates these mismatches where you've just got this random guy that's popped up somewhere that can do that. Now, you don't see that with Igor on the other side, right? You've got another guy who, who doesn't have that same level of motor and speed. If Igor did that, he's got to take a while to track back. He's being told to be a bit more defensive. But on the right side, we, we're giving Hinshelwood free roam, and he's excellent at doing that. But you're right. He plays like his position. He plays like someone who's not just 18. I mean, they, they kept pointing out on the commentary when he came into this interview afterwards that James Milder made his Premier League debut two and a half years before Hinchwood was born. Which is just like... Brutal, really, ain't it, for James? Brutal. And then, Glenn Murray was, <laughs> yeah, and then Glenn Murray was something like, oh yeah, and you played with his dad as well. So it's like everyone was everyone was kind of fair game. But yeah, he just does not play like an 18-year-old. I know Deserby's kind of said he's a bit like Pascal Gross, isn't he? And, that is, and that's probably the closest we're going to get. Someone who is ve- clearly very intelligent, has the positioning and with experience will get there. And at the moment, it's being able to fill in everywhere. You kind of hope the difficulty for him will be when everyone is fit. Because where does he fit in then? 
is he going to be one of these players who will... Who's our right-back again? Veltman. Well, Veltman. Is he, though? Lamptey. I guess it depends on the game, right? Like, I like mean, Vel- to be honest, Veltman I'm for still... a more defensive game. Hinchy and I don't know, Lamptey... It's controversial, but I'm still picking Lamptey ahead of Hinchelwood. Like, oh, I don't know yeah. about that. But, like, is he going to be one of those players when everybody is fit? And if he is he... Is he going to go back to same as before? Is he going to go back to being a central midfielder, which is what we've been told he is naturally? Is he going to become one of these kind of utility players floating around? Like, what does the future hold? Because it's an interesting one. When every like when everyone is fit, he does not get in our best eleven. I don't think. I mean, well, neither does a dingra. And think yeah, our whole right side is like... combined age of thirty nine uh, when they've been playing right and Milner's 37 ridiculous <laughs> that they've been like a very very important part of that that system I just you know I, I think Deserbi one of the things he does in the, in the same vein as, as as Guardiola is he doesn't care about the player's age or experience if the player is in form and, and knows the system well they play uh and you see that with Pep doing a similar type of thing with Rico Lewis right um I I think Hinchwood given how young he is and given the progress that he's made fits in very, 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 very well. And again, look at the right? He brings in his guy, his guy, Mohammed, uh, Mahoud Dahoud plays like shit. I don't know. He's anonymous, right? We've got, we've, we're about to bring on fans from the stand to play in the starting 11 and Dahoud's still not getting a look in. All right. It's not good, he plays form. He plays form players. He absolutely rips into Balaber at the end of every game, saying he's not ready, but he's chosen him over Balaber, over Dahoud every single week. Which well, is not yeah. yeah, you've got to worry when he doesn't talk about you. I think that's the more of the problem. It's uh, yeah, than when he does. Yeah, the the attitude has changed somewhat. Given uh, he was very critical of this player uh, before, I'd say like just for the last couple of months, he's been very critical. Really changed around last month or so. Deserbi has sang his praises so much that he doesn't even think he'll be here in the summer. Uh, Mr. Eight penalties from eight, Jao Pedro now. Um, like I feel like we just talk about him every week scoring a penalty, but like, does he get? Does anyone get any caller from the spot at this point? Like he is and he knows career, becoming the most reliable penalty taker ever for us, right? He, as far as I can tell, he's never missed a penalty in his career. I think he took, I think he didn't, bizarrely, he wasn't Watford's main penalty taker. Of course he wasn't. They had uh, Ismail Assar was taking them. But for the few that he took, I think he, I think he took something like five or six for Watford across two or three seasons and scored them all. So I can't find an instance of him missing one. Hey, he's, he's the guy, isn't he, at the moment? Like he's, he's the one dragging the, attacking part of this team a lot and outside of the fact that I'm again I've said this before and I'll continue saying it I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic that Worldbuck's back in the team he just adds something more to it when he can actually play um, no I mean Josh I know you got annoyed with how João Pedro was being forced in recent memory to play with his back to goal and that's a uh, there was a couple of games we did very well and then 80% of the games where he seems to just not do that very well at all and constantly just bounces off his foot and he loses it when he's facing the goal his weaving mazy runs and i think he did want to get spurs not that long into the yeah, game where he took on like four goal. people yeah and yeah he set the goal up as well 
Uh, yeah, he crossed the box through kind of three or four of their players, managed to keep the ball, and then yeah. has, has the awareness to see Hinchwood in space and play the ball. We don't have many players that that, that have. He's a he's a he's not a small guy. Like he's very capable with not the, ma- not not many teams, like not many teams have a player that combine all of those attributes. He's very con- and you see that confidence in the, from the penalty spot, right? It's a confidence thing. He's just a very very confident young player, uh, and it's uh, yeah, you don't want anyone taking are, a penalty apart from him. Newcastle fans are are crying about it because obviously they basically turned him down at the very last minute to sign. Who did they sign instead? Is Anthony Gordon, didn't they? No, I think it was to sign... Is it sign... I'm thinking it might have been Callum Wilson. Who was it last summer? Was that... It would have been summer before last. Oh, it wasn't uh, the guy that's now at Forest that scored a hat-trick against them, is it? No. Joel Linton, maybe? No. I think it would... I think it might have been Callum Wilson. Anyway, it was basically all... It was all good to go. Like, he'd done his medical and all of that. And they pulled the plug at the very last minute. Yeah. Thank God. Love and that. I think it does. I mean, I think they were, com- I think they were coming, they were going to come back in from in the summer, but whether it's Tony Bloom or Paul Barber or David Weir, whoever pulled the master stroke to basically sign him before last season had even finished, um, you know, played an absolute blinder. It was obviously done on purpose, right? There was people fishing around for him, so they get it, get it done early doors. But yeah, he's he's so good. I think yeah, having to play him out on the wing is not his best position, but you saw what he could do for that first goal as well. He's just got incredible feet, and he's ice cold from the penalty spot. Like we we, we say, week in week out, he needs to be one of the first names on the team sheet, and he's just continuing to solidify that. Um, so yeah, and the t- the two penalties, like taking a second penalty after scoring the first, must be like quite nervy at the best of times. So, you know, the fact that you're going to send him the other way as well, yes, yeah, ice cold. Especially a keeper as good as Vicario as well. Um, yeah. Also anyway, worth talking about a little bit, Craig as well. Just hear your thoughts on just like <clears throat> the incredibly positive response and impact Danny Welbeck has had on this return in. Yeah. Just two games, like a game and a half, really. Like it's yes. it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I just reiterate what Adam said as well. Like it, he just brings this other dimension and I guess wiliness to this team, and 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 is able to hold up the ball more effectively, turn his man, and and just has that experience. Um, just helps massively. Um, one of the best headers I've ever seen against Crystal Palace as well. By the way, it's oh unreal. yeah, good call. Um, it just incredible header and it seemed like we wouldn't be able to hit a barn door with a banjo for for hours if it wasn't for him against palace so um really good finish there and i think yeah it's just to echo what adam said it's important for him to be in and around that squad and in around that team because um he's able to bring other people into play um if jao pedro plays that position you know inevitably he, he doesn't do the things he does against spurs um so really glad that he's back let's hope that he can stay fit for the foreseeable um, and, and just hope that we get the best out of him in the next couple of months. Yeah, really good to have him back. Uh, you said... weird, I was going to say, my slightly weird tangent on the Palace game was yeah. that neither neither goal was particularly celebrated, which I found really bizarre. Like, I, I, found, I found the whole game very flat. Atmosphere-wise, it didn't didn't sound amazing but yeah it was it was bizarre 
It's because we all knew it was going to end 1-1, doesn't it? Basically, <laughs> like I said, it was pointless. It's a total waste of everyone's time. It was, a, it was a horrid, especially that first half was horrid viewing. It really was. Um, but with we got the, the they they got things in a different place for that that Spurs game. And I, I know we haven't really, uh, we've talked about the Spurs game a lot here and we've talked about things sporadically, but that first, that first half, that first, I don't know, maybe a little bit longer, was impeccable. And this is a, I know Spurs have been in a weird spot. I know Spurs have a lot of injuries, but we knew this game was going to be fireworks. And the first five or so minutes was the same Brighton that we tend to always see, right? Come out slow from the blocks, a little bit, not sure what's going on. Spurs had the ball for the first start. And it looked like, oh God, how is this game going to go? Have we, found, have we met Spurs on the wrong day? And suddenly we just, t- the game just switched around. Um, and and as soon as that Hinshelwood goal went in, they, they fell apart. And we put the sword to them. We put them to the sword rather like it. previous Brighton, we maybe would sit back on that one goal lead. Or maybe just kind of see if we can get a second. This, the Deserby Brighton, the Deserby way when you play against a side that pushes up, like Postacoglu pushes his side up. The amount of times we tried to put an over the top ball over that defense or a through ball um, was just fantastic to see, where we just tried to kill off the game. Obviously, the downside being is what happened towards the end of the second half, but it was amazing viewing. Like, this is that, that was an enjoyable, fun really fun game to watch that's what football should be about viewing like yeah it was a fun game the way that we pressed them i mean we basically effectively had a diamond almost you had welbeck and jab Pedro up top you've then got facundo there then you've got gilmore sitting in and then you've got milner and gross and it basically meant that we were pressing them it was like man for man like they would drop a centre back in to try and get someone extra in there. We would bring someone else up. We were just literally pressing them to within an inch of their life, forcing them to just hoof these long balls over the top back to us, and we'd start the whole thing again. It was, I mean, it's like it is an example of. I know it talks about Deserby having to come up with these slightly off the wall plans, but actually, it, it is hugely enjoyable to watch him do it. Sort of on the hoof, come up with okay, fine. You've got a team that's in fourth. Um, it's had a great start to the season, and him just going right. I haven't got any fit wingers. I haven't got any fit fullbacks. What are we going to do? And they're like just coming up with something that you know. If you look at it objectively, you go okay, fine. Esther Pinion came on at halftime and scored one of the goals. But if you take him out, we were essentially four 0 up against Spurs with James Milner basically playing left wing. We had so many chances that we didn't take in that first half as yeah. well, as you say. Uh, it was a it was a big bit of domination for a lot of that first half. It was it was actually just beautiful to watch because everything that Spurs tried to do, they basically ended up dropping both of their centre midfielders back to try and negate us pressing them, and you'd suddenly find Pascal Gross would come and join in as well. So you'd end up with basically this kind of cat and mouse four versus four. Uh, it was, yeah, it was amazing. And, and I'm just forcing Vicario. Like he similarly he has normally has really good distribution, and it was just him being. He was resorting to basically having to go diagonal to Son every time. That's what he was left with as an option. And so Son was crap. Just not. Yeah, he was. 
I'm going to be gone yeah. for a month shortly. Yeah, that's Just right. Others. Yeah. What was also noticeable was, and I don't know if this is just Van Hecker, just because he's becoming so good, but there were various points in the first 10, 15 minutes where Van Hecker was basically pressing them on the edge of their box, which I've, I don't recall seeing that from a from a centre-half. Well, he, he was man-to-man with Kulisevsky for a, yeah. a while too. Like He was following around. Like he, Kulusevski gets the ball on the edge of the Spurs box, turns around, and Van Hecker is just there, in his face. And you go, it's a very high risk strategy in some areas because if you go, if if Kulusevski, you know, can basically get the ball from out under his feet, player one two is Son. Suddenly, you end up with, you know, Van Hecker basically there, and you end up with potentially in a bit of trouble. But it wasn't something he did once; he was consistently there. I wonder, do you say that? But I wonder if that was also part of the th- reasoning, right? He wasn't man-to-man with Son. He was man-to-man with Kulusevski because Kulusevski is not a fast player. Like, it's very technically good, right? Like We all know how good he can be. But he's not a player that is going to outpace Van Heck comfortably. He's a player that, even if he plays a 1-2, is going to be going like hell for leather right alongside Van Heck all the way there. Now, if he was man-marking Son... Very different story because Son's tearing him a new arsehole, right? So I wonder if, like, that was part of the thought as well. Like, if they're going to operate that kind of press-beating football, let's have Van Heck on the guy that is an offensive catalyst but isn't quick enough to escape him. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, and it was, I mean, it's just very well done tactically for the, for almost the entirety of the game. Uh, it, it really was. And, and this is against... You know, a manager who many were, were touting or probably would be touting as one of the managers of the year, right? He's a complete transition, complete makeover of that of that Spurs team. Um, but just fantastic to, to 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 watch a game where the other side wants to play football um, against Brighton, as opposed to going, "Oh no, we know you like to keep the ball. We're going to sit back and do nothing and take you on the counter." Thank God it wasn't that game. But I will say the other thing that I'm thankful for is that. Christian Romero wasn't playing because he would have probably injured about three of our players uh, if he was playing the 90. But I do find it also really funny that, I mean, we talk about injuries. I know Spurs had a lot of injuries, right? They were playing Ben Davis and Emerson Royale as centre-backs. Um, like that's, when we talk about... basically mocking us, right? Like, they just, because we have none, they played four full-backs at the back. <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, yes, yeah, so you're correct. Yeah, like imagine, but imagine how bad Eric Dyer is to be on the bench. Think about that. The boss turns around to you and says, you know what, Eric, I know you're pretty much your only fit centre-back. We're going to play Emerson Royale and Ben Davis over you. <laughs> like, what has he done? Like, what has he done behind the scenes? Because that is, it's just like... I mean, Steve, I don't think behind the scenes. I think, you know, in front of the scenes, he's just been a shit footballer for quite a long time. That's probably the main thing. But uh, it's fairly funny to see. He went, didn't he go into the stands and got angry at a fan not that long ago, sort of last season? Yeah, he beat, did, did. beat someone up in the stands. Yeah, he did. Did he? <laughs> Tremendous. Jeez. Anyway, it was a fun game, wasn't it? It was, And that Estepinian goal was sort of the, the icing on top, wasn't it? It was just, that's got a, it will be up there, surely, when goal of the season comes around, because it was, it was a, it was a get out of your, get off the sofa kind of goal, that one. That was, uh, yeah, which it was. is rare for me. And I, you know what was weird? It was, I'd sort of, 
I sort of half turned away when I saw James Milner play a short corner because I thought, fuck's sake, like, probably everyone just went, well, this is going to be a disaster, isn't it? And then I saw him have a shot and my brain immediately just went, well, that's going over for a start. Like, I mean, what a waste of everyone's time. So I'd sort of semi-lost <laughs> concentrating. I was just sort of sitting there slightly. And then it took my brain a couple of seconds to go, oh, no, he has actually just put that postage stamp top bins. Uh, just, I mean, outrageous. But I think Adam was right. The fact that it came after, it came two minutes after he'd basically given the ball away twice um, through just forgetting how to actually play football made it, all the more ridiculous that he's then come up with that. It's just insanity. Yeah, top strike. Um, you were talking about West Ham being in good form. They really are. They've only lost two of their last nine in the Premier League um, and supplemented that with a few uh, wins in the Europa League as well throughout. Um, they are not an easy team to beat at all. Uh, went to Arsenal yesterday and turned them over 2-0. Uh, Arsenal were quite poor to be fair but like nonetheless like that's an incredibly impressive result um, and we have to go to their place uh, Tuesday um, do you want to play the game of guess the start in 11 with what what remnants of the of the club we have left uh, who can you reel off goals? the injuries just yes because it, your yeah. tweet was quite good maybe we just we, for the people that don't have the extent because by the way I don't know about you guys but I feel like I forgot Ansu Fati is at the club, but I felt like a fever dream. Now he's not been playing. I was like, oh, wait, hold on. But this is a long list. Yeah, so the current injury list of confirmed injured players is Julio Enciso, Solly March, Mitoma, Adingra. So Enciso is out, hopefully not for much longer, right? Let's talk about like return times too. Hopefully not much longer for Enciso. Uh, he did have a setback, but I think the conversation is February, which means in the grand scheme of things, with like two games between now and February, not too long. Uh, March, gone for the year, maybe back next season early, possibly not even back for the beginning of next season with uh, with the ACL injury. Mitoma and Dinger have both been given four to six weeks. Uh, Fatty was given three months for a day of his injury, so I think that clocks at around the Mid beginning Feb, of March, end of Feb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Igor now out, um, inflamed Achilles. A uh, couple of the Twitter, like doctor dudes, uh, is talking about a six week break for him. Uh, if that's the case, Webster, we, we don't know how long Webster's out for, we just know he's hurt. Um, Veltman, Lamptey, uh, again, just not any real communication on when these guys are going to be back. Uh, and Bonanotte as well is injured. Um, so that's nine in CISO March, Matim, Mitoma, Adingra, Fatty, Eagle, Webster, Veltman, Lamptey, and Bonanose. Uh, it's also important to talk about, yeah, don't be in band and just a lack of fitness, too. I really want to touch on as well that I put in that tweet as well. Jakob Moda should, is not a piece of the puzzle here that could be playing in the starting 11, right? We accept that Jakob Moda is not there yet. Esther Pinion just played 45 minutes after being out since September. We shouldn't be considering him a plug-and-play starter either. And Danny Welbeck has played, what, like 110 minutes of football in the last two games after also being out since September. So these are three players that you really shouldn't be considering. They're good for 80, 90-minute players, right? Like, they're ones we're going to have to manage. 
And then, as you say, you've got Dunk suspended. And then Adam Lalana, I think, also needs to be brought up because he just doesn't seem capable of playing beyond 60 minutes at most. At most doesn't now, seem capable of running at Yeah. The last um, games so, come on, he's like, he's there. He's sort of wandering around, but he's not running. No. So I think you should be including Moda, Welbeck, Estepinion, Lalana, and Dunk in our squad woes, right? Because then either well, Doc's back. But like the other four are not players that you would consider, yeah, just put him in at left back. Like, yeah, start Purvis on Tuesday, definitely. Right? Like he might, but it's certainly ain't definite. It almost definitely ain't for beyond an hour. So like that's a problem. It's it is rough. It is rough. Um the only place we are spoiled for choice is goalie, I guess. So I'm assuming steel probably is keeps that what his we're place, it? right? <laughs> I'm assuming Steele keeps his place, right? Like he doesn't ever tend to like rotate after one game. It tends to be two or three. So are we include? Are we saying Steele definitely starts on Tuesday? As close to definite as it can be with the goalkeeper rotation. No, I'm not. I'm not saying definite anything. I've got this wrong every time I've guessed it. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think yeah, <laughs> it dictates that yeah, Steele is going to be in again. I just I really worry about set pieces with West Ham, especially with. War prowse and everything like that. Like, you seem like you're a, my own opinion, seem like you're asking for trouble with still to be there. I think he's not airily as dominant as, as for Bruggen would be. But yeah, pattern dictates that it's going to be still, right? Yeah, I think so. So at the back, Van Heck definitely starts, right? Like, he is like the lone man that we need to be started at the back. Uh, Hinshelwood, I assume, will probably be starting. At right or left back, do do you think to. we do you think we start Estepinion or do you think he goes forty five forty five with Milner and Estepinion? That's my thought. Is he goes forty five and forty five with with Milner and Estepinion? Do you? What do you think? It seems seems the most sensible one, doesn't it? <laughs> which which uh, like which means nothing. Um, but I think yeah, you can't. He's obviously not fully ready yet, right? And we, we all want Estepinion to be playing there. So um, the 50-50 is the right way to go. Um, whether we actually do that is anyone's guess. I think he plays... I think he's going to be playing uh, old James Milner first off, left back, probably. I think he's going to have to. I just don't... You can't judge whatever Deserby does at this point because it's just... You, there's about 11 players. So <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Who's who's playing centre back? Oh, so gross oh, definitely gross definitely plays, right? Gross definitely plays, Pedro definitely plays. Gilmore. Ferg- Ferguson and Welbeck definitely play, you would assume at this point. Gilmore plays. Do you think that we have Dahoud back in the start in eleven and Belaba plays centre back? I'm struggling to think of anyone else who can play centre half at this point. And given that he has been ran out there, kind of, do you think we give him a go, or do you think we like literally look into like the twelve-year-old team and see? Like, I don't like this is the thing, right? I, like, we have Barrington on the bench. Like, I know Baker Boati isn't a centre back. Is Barrington? Does anyone know who he is? Like, is that Bar- Barrington's a cam? You've, you've got Atom in the 
under 21s, which is probably your best guess. Is a guy that oh, came we, in from Germany him, last year. Yeah. Um, which has been doing all right. He's popped up with a couple of goals as well. But again, irrespective, anyone from that under 23s team asking them to come in and play West Ham away is obviously not ideal. Um, so there is one there. I think the rest are sort of on loan, but he's probably your best guess. But the Zerbi's playing Beleba there across any sort of centre back from the under 23s team. I, th- I just don't see it. Um I don't want to be I don't want him there at all, by the way. Like the you know, he won't be playing a libero role there. He's just going to deputize at centre half, which is just nuts for a to ask a 19-year-old to do. Um so yeah, I think it's it's just about I guess relative experience, but we're we're screwed either way, right? Is is that the the fact remains is that we've got one experienced centre half and he's 23 years old. Um, so it, it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how we're going to line up, like whether he's going to play the 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 sort of Palace style tactics or whether it's going to be a bit more Spurs-esque. I, I think it's going to be more akin to the Palace tactics and, and that sort of 4-2-3-1 that we've played for the majority of the season. Um, again, this is probably all wrong, but he could play Gilmore and Gross as the pivot and then he could do Pedro on the left wing, Lalana in the center, um, Ferguson up top, and Welbeck on the right. Like he could do something like that. And that then means you've got Van Hecker, Belieber center backs, and Hinshawood Milner at full back with the ability to bring on a Stupinian, the ability to bring on Dahoon. Um, I, I, don't, I still don't think he starts to hoop despite everything here. Now, he absolutely could. Uh, but his his thing with Dahoud this whole season is he's played him in a luxury setup, as in you're at home against a weaker side. That's where we've seen a lot of Dahoud because there's no combativeness in his game. He's going to sit there and he'll dictate some play, but he's not going to break things up. Playing this West Ham team away from home in the form they're at, you need someone to to be able to break up the play there, which is why I think you need you need Gilmore and the experience of Pascal Gross. And I think Dahu just feels like a luxurious selection. Could he play further up? Could he play in that central attacker midfield position if, if Lalana maybe he switches out for Lalana and they do 45 each? Potentially. Yeah. But there's not many other players. Who's on who's going to be on the bench? I think it's also interesting to think about West Ham. They made one change between Arsenal and Manchester United, uh, and they only made one sub against Arsenal. So they've had Europe too as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what lineup they throw out there on the second as well, because they've not rotated at all over Christmas whatsoever, and they've got some good results as well, like two back-to-back two-nil wins. Like it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I would assume. All that's going to happen in terms of our bench is just going to be kids and half-fit players. Moda, Estepinion, Lalana, and like whoever else doesn't make it into the eleven out of your Dahoods and your Balabas, and then the rest are just going to be names that we've like just joined the regen list, like names we've never really heard of. Yeah, it has to be because the the players that are fit and not banned for this game total seventeen or eighteen to my count. That includes three goalkeepers, and you've got a match day squad of eleven plus nine. So, 
that it's yeah, there's no other way. Yes. Yeah, are we fun, all are we all in agreement at least that we definitely lose and it's kudos who scores? Oh, one hundred percent. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this whole thing is scripted. So yeah, yeah. We're in, we're in Even if we don't lose, kudos is still getting some kind of goal involvement, is he? Well, there's there's the, the, um and ahhing about him actually playing, isn't there? Like I've I've seen very contrasting things about him going to Afcon before or after. Um, so I'm I'm not sure if. I've seen some someone say that he's got permission to stay a little bit longer to play against us, and I've seen other reports saying that he's not got permission, so he's heading to Afcon. Um, so I'm really not sure, uh, but it's all scripted. He's going to play and he's going to score two times, isn't he? So yeah, that's that's how this works. I think Ben Rama will also be unavailable as well, right? Yes, yeah, so, he's even been injured, but. The Afcon and the Asian Cups—they both the fixtures will both start on the thirteenth of Jan. So I think like some of the teams are starting to get together from the second or the third of January onwards, get a week's training in before the competition starts. But I guess it's it's completely up to the countries as to when they start that training. But that's what I saw on the grapevine. You take it with a very large pinch of salt. But um, I'm just going to assume that he does play. I feel like Danny Yings will score. I don't know why, but I feel like Danny Ings will come yeah. on and just score some. Seems like a goal. seems like a safe bet, doesn't it? Just like stupid thing that shouldn't happen. Uh, but I don't. I don't know. I'm weirdly. Uh, this is probably a bad thing. I'm weirdly confident about this game, and I, I I don't know why, but maybe it's just to do with the fact that West Ham had no right to beat Arsenal two 0 away. They'd be you Man United 2-0, which is just not very impressive at this particular point. But, you know, they beat a fairly informed Wolves team and they obviously got battered by Fulham. Um, I don't know. I'm not particularly scared by their team. Moyes just lines them up in a particular way. They're going to have to come out and be a little bit more aggressive than they were at the Amex, where they did that horrible sit back. And then obviously Mikel Antonio was playing that game, wasn't he? And he, he kind of punished yeah. us on the counter. They're going to have to play up a little bit more in this game, and that's going to that will play into the hands of our you know five players that we can put out. Well, so, it's yeah. the thing against Spurs is that you mentioned it earlier. Just oh, we're playing a team that wants to play football, and that's exactly what we want. And they end up four 0 down and could have been six or seven, right? So like, what we hate playing against teams that actively nullify us as opposed to try and play their own. That's why we tend to do better against Arsenal and Spurs of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, is that you know they're, they're being quite proactive, and we end up. Just they play into our hands. West Ham is the antithesis of that, right? Moyes is a football terrorist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's exactly what I'm expecting. Is yeah, uh, it's one of those games. Like Robin said before, he, he had to go. Was just we've tend to had a good record, but they I'm not too confident. Just even even take the 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 game that West Ham won against Wolves three nil. They had they were at home, right? Three nil. They had 44% possession and four shots on target with three goals. They're just such a drab team. Uh, it's just... It's so just... sat in sixth place? Yeah, but... We talk uh, about our defensive frailties. They've only conceded three less than us, too. So they'll be there to be scored on. And we like to score goals, so... That, that they had 34.5% possession at home to Man United and 1-2-0. Oh, it's just it's just so bleak. Hopefully we we don't 
hopefully we've learned something from the last game and deserve is just like please please don't play into their stupid game like just make sure you track back properly like uh, you can just see the counter in your mind can't you i can just see it now yeah I mean, they the those two were bad enough, but they had twenty five percent possession at the Emirates, and they let they had six shots, six shots, three of those on target, two goals. They had thirty shots against them and one two nil. That's that Arsenal stat line. You may as well just put the bloody seagull badge on it and change the change the name because that you may as <laughs> that's our stat line. 74% possession, eight shots on target, 30 total shots, 958 touches, no goals. That, that'll be it. That'll be it. Oh, we'll see. I hope we play them at our own game, really. I hope we just do what they're like. I think if we operate the same as we did against Spurs, really, like just like allow them to try and play their game and try and play it and like be quite happy to do the same back to them. Like, I mean, look at what Fulham did when they did it like that. Because Fulham. Five game, that one. Yeah, that one. That one is one where the stats actually made sense with the scoreline, as opposed to West Ham being able to create this situation where they just don't play any football for eighty nine minutes and then score three goals for some unknown reason. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, should be an it's... interesting one to watch. I don't think it's going to be fun to watch. No, I don't think watching boys or or Deutsch football teams is meant to be fun. I think it's meant to be horrible. Hodgson, the same as, I mean, that's, I mean, Robin was talking about like, so that's being flat. Like, are you surprised? Like Roy Hodgson as manager? It's not, you know what I mean? It's not. He can barely stay awake for the game. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I think we're, I think we've covered just about everything. Um, so we will be back soonish. Uh, Enjoy the new year. Stay safe out there. Enjoy your celebrations if you're going out, staying in, whatever you want to do. Enjoy it either which way. Um, West Ham, Tuesday, Stoke at the weekend, uh, and then a nice long break for the Albion um, until the 22nd. A uh, little bit of extra break compared to everyone else because we're the Monday night football. So I think that would be very helpful uh, for our transfer window and our injuries as well, don't you think? <laughs> Dude, do. Last, last one. You reckon Matoma and Adingra go to their competitions? No. They could, they could be back earlier than as if they weren't, if that makes sense. If I'm even saying that right. No, I see what you're saying. The injury might actually mean they're back playing for Brighton quicker than if they were fit and then went to their yeah. competition. Yeah. 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 I think you're probably right. Um, maybe it was a big, <laughs> it's a big a, scam. A, a ruse. Yeah. 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 Uh, look, just we, feel that way. If we win this game, <laughs> like it's four stand. to six weeks, a week before yeah, a five. Very weeks specific. Tournament. Yeah. <laughs> if we win this game against West Ham, I tell you what. After all the trials and tribulations of the injuries and the like, no clean sheets and everything, and some you know, smatterings of poor performances and stuff, we could be in a position where we we're in the January transfer window. We're in sixth spot. Because we would knock West Ham out of sixth if we beat them from because just a goal difference. We ours is better. Man United have already played their twentieth game. Uh, we'd be on thirty three points in sixth place, um, guaranteed to be ahead of Newcastle as well. Uh, and we went through top of the group in the Europa League. 
and we basically got a whole hospital ward of of players. That would be, even if we lose to West Ham, it's still incredible, but that would be an absolutely monumental achievement to pull that off. Monumental. Let's hope it happens. We're only one point worse off than last year, right? And you, you think everything that's happened and you you jam Europe in between that as well. It's it's good. Like there's a there's a lot to be positive about. You focus on the negatives with the amount of injuries and, and you know putting a half-baked team out there and still beating Spurs. Um, you know, I, we know that they have their own injuries, but it's it's a it's a good end to the 2023. I think you know, you're bearing in mind we finished on what was it 60 odd points last year. If we're still on track for that with Europe and with these injuries, doing something right. Yeah. Insane, isn't it really? Um, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I'd take a point happily. It would still put us above United as well. So I'd always take that unless they suddenly score like 12 against Forest, but they can't even score one. So uh, <laughs> that's, that could age horrendously in the next half an hour. But uh, all right. So we'll see you next year, everybody. Enjoy your t- end of 2023 celebrations. Um, and we will talk next weekend, probably post Stoke. Yeah. Thanks for listening to awesome. us all this year. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. All. Cheers. All.